Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. I'm so glad you're here today at the kitchen table as we look at the last lie that we are going to look at in this series um, about the lies of motherhood. And I hope that for each one of you, you have come away in this series with the realization that you and I are assaulted a lot with lies that tell us that we don't measure up, that we're alone, that we're not good enough, that this isn't working. Um, And it may come in lots of different ways. And I think that's really what we've been looking at over this series. And as I've been talking to all these different mamas, you know, we all hear lies. One of the reasons we hear lies, and we've talked about this before, but if this is the first time you're catching the podcast, is you have an enemy. And that enemy wants to convince you that you should give up, that you should be discouraged, feel defeated, or simply feel like you are inadequate as a mom, as a a voice in your home for truth. And so he will do his very best to convince you. And it will sound different in different seasons. It will sound different based on our personalities and temperaments. But God calls us to be very wise. And he invites us to anchor the very depths of who we are and our identity in him by holding tightly to the truths of his word that declare who we are, that declare truth over our motherhood. And we have looked at that week after week, looking at these different lies, the way they come at us and trying to give you ways that you can stand firmly in the word when you are assaulted. And this week and next week, I believe may be for some the most powerful weeks. We are going to be talking this week and next week about the thoughts that we have about comparison. And this, this lie, this belief system, I think it's more like a belief system says, how do I compare? That's the basic question. How do I compare? Do I measure up? For some of us, it sounds like, have I done enough? Did I do it right? It depends on where our children are, what seasons they are. Sometimes we go, you know, as we're launching a child into college, the very natural question is, did I do it right or do it the best? Did I succeed? For some of us, we have little bitty babies and we're just, we're just trying, we're wondering, we're scrambling, trying to figure out what is going to work the best with this kid. And we're constantly comparing with those around us. 
this looks like in those middle school years when your kid is maybe hitting some rough patches, whether it is um, the the surges of hormones that make them uh, testy and a little bit snarky. And you begin to go, what did I do wrong? Why is my child like this? And we begin to compare and we begin to decide, hmm, I'm not doing it. I'm not measuring up. There's a standard out there and I'm not hitting it and I'm to blame. And so today we're going to talk about that. I'm, you know, I want to share with you that this is a big one in my life. I'm sitting here today recording this in a morning and even today I'm wrestling with how do I compare I am sending a little first grader into a classroom two days a week. It's a new experience for us. We have homeschooled every single day. And this year we are doing a hybrid model where our kids go to school two days and then they're home with us for three. And I absolutely hear that drumbeat of, especially with my littlest guy, y'all see a lot of his antics here and hear a lot about him. Mainly, I mean, he's not any different than any other ones. He's just in the height of a lot of it. And, you know, we get notes home from the teacher. And the natural next question is, uh, how, do, how does he compare and how do I compare? Maybe do the other kids in the class. Maybe do what should be happening and isn't. Um, maybe to the speed with which he's learning things. It is a wrestling match that God has reminded me of over and over and over. It seeps into the very bottom of my motherhood and then rises up through it. For um, me, comparison doesn't happen across the board. This is an interesting thing for me. There's a lot of things about comparison that I'm not going to worry about. I have solidified those places in my motherhood. I'm not worried. I don't really care how I compare. And then there are other areas where I, I do care. And, um, and so what we need to look at first is what, why, why do we compare? What is it that drives us as people, as individuals, to compare ourselves. And you know, we live in it. We have grown up now, or we live in this culture where everything is at our fingertips to see. I can see what y'all are doing on social media. Granted, it's a curated version of you and you can see what I do on social media and granted it is a curated version. And I seek really hard to show you a more true version of myself and not a beautiful version because we are messed up sinners over here in the Kimsey household. And there's a lot of drama and there's a lot of junk and there's, there's a lot of hard, but the, the reality is when we look into someone else's social media, we come at it with the slant that they've got their life working out well. 
and yet we know our own lives. So we believe, well, but my life isn't working out well. And then not only do we have that, but we have this whole Pinterest world that tells us ways that we can make this, that, or the other better. I mean, from every trick you can do with a toddler to help them learn and play well, um, every trick for a newborn to sleep, every way to teach someone to read, I mean, how to decorate your home, how to spend your time, how to go on vacation. I mean, like, y'all, we can compare our very real lives to the false concepts, the painted versions online everywhere we turn. You know, we, one um, pastor that I had uh, back when we lived up in Tennessee used to say that this media world we live in, we can be liked by many and known by very few. And see, all of us probably like and follow because we want to emulate many, but we know very little about them in their real lives. And we want to be very cautious in identifying this thought of comparison and asking the spirit to help us discern it and begin to eradicate it from our thinking every time it raises its gnarly little head. Because at the bottom of comparison is a desperate seeking for acceptance. You know, we were wired for relationship. That is how God created you and me. We are real, we are no matter, even if you're the most introverted person, you still desire relationship. Maybe with a few, but you want to be known. You want to be loved. You want to be valued. You want to be accepted. And in our fallen state, we understand that we really aren't acceptable. Do you understand that? That is part of our sin nature is this understanding deep within us that we're really not good. That there's parts of us that if I showed you these parts of me, you may not like me. You may not want to be with me. You may not want to hang out with me. And so we cover, we hide, we dress up. But God instead has set up a completely different system for you and for me. It's where the gospel comes to bear in this lie that is the most important thing for us to understand today. And then I'm going to work it out practically in some places in my own motherhood for you. But if comparison is this desperate desire to earn acceptance, that's what's at the bottom of comparison. You and I are driven for that and who we are without Jesus. And it will crop up in us as believers every single time. Always does. It is a weed that we need to root out, pull out, ask the Lord to help us see it as it's beginning to emerge from the surface of our heart. But for most of us, we don't understand a life apart from earning acceptance. Maybe it's the way we were raised. It's the world of performance 
equates with success that we actually live in, in our culture. In every way that we turn around, we have been taught that we need to measure up, that love is contingent on performance, whether it's the adulation of a crowd, the um, salary we earn, the, uh, the praise in school, it doesn't matter. Everywhere we have ever turned, in the world's eyes, performance equates with success. And maybe even in your home when you were growing up, love was contingent on what you did, how you behaved, what you churned out. And what I want to talk about today is we need to redefine what God's love is, what acceptance really is, how do we really lay down some strong roots into the truth that you are loved because God loves you, period. And, and we're going to plant it down in scripture. We're going to go from scripture to scripture to scripture today. Because if you don't know these scriptures, you need to write these scriptures down. You need to mark them in your word. You need to put them on sheets of paper until you and God do business over understanding you are loved apart from your performance. You are loved despite your performance. You are loved despite what you churn out, it is not part of the way he sees you when you are his child. And then we can move forward into applying it into motherhood. So we're going to take a few minutes and push it into scripture today. We're going to start with a very, um, Straight up passage, Romans 3, 21 through 24 and verse 28. I'm going to read it. It's going to sound like a lot of big words. And so I'm going to give you then a synopsis at the end. Okay. But it says, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe. That's you and me. There is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, who God put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received. Okay, what does that mean? It's a lot of big words, Bethany. I don't even know anything that you just read to me and I'm trying to do this as I work out and you've just gone really academic. In essence, what this is saying is that there is a righteousness for you and me, and it has nothing to do with the law, meaning it has nothing to do with what we do. But instead, this righteousness is ours through faith in Jesus. For anyone who believes, anyone, and there is no distinction, meaning God is saying, I am not deciding I'm not going to be distinctive and say, well, it's only for those who believe who also never did this. 
Instead, he says there's no distinction. All have sinned. We have all fallen short. We've all messed up. But I am going to justify you, he says, by my grace as a gift through Jesus. In fact, in the um, NLT, a different translation, it says God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Y'all put that on a note card. God in his grace freely makes me right in his sight. Freely. Doesn't require payment from you. You are right in his sight because of his grace. And that is Jesus. So then if we turn over my favorite, if you ask me like right now in the last five years, what is your favorite verse of scripture is Titus 3, 4 through 7. And so it says, when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, so again, let's let's define that for all of you working out. And you don't have your Bible in front of you. Um, The goodness and loving kindness of God has been extended to you before you ever did anything. In fact, it says he saved you not because of the works you might do that are right. There's not a single work you can do right that will make him want to save you more. Lay it down. Instead, he says, according to his own mercy, he poured out on us richly a regeneration and a renewal. Meaning not only did he say, well, I'm going to save you. I'm going to declare you righteous, but I'm also going to regenerate you. I'm also going to change you through the Holy Spirit. And so that you and I can be justified, meaning we are um, made right all, everything has been paid on our behalf so that we could become heirs. Meaning that you and I can be assured of a hope for all eternity. So those two verses, those two passages, and there are more, but if we just take those two passages, what they declare for you and me, especially if we need this rewritten because we have either bought that performance equates with acceptance or we have always heard it and always experienced a love contingent on what we do. We need to ask God to begin to rewrite our thoughts, our thought process, our natural go-to instinct to line up with his scripture instead of lining up with what we have always thought was acceptance. You see, because if we do not, if we continue, then we're constantly comparing. It's the only game there is. If you're only accepted because of your performance, you better make sure your performance measures up. That's the problem with comparison. Is there's an invisible standard and really it always is shifting. It's always moving. And one of my things or one of my stories about this is 
weirdly for me in motherhood, one place that I, uh, I don't know, I compare and like, I'm not going to get, you cannot rock me on how I'm going to teach my children to go to sleep from the time they are an infant on. Like I have a system that I use. It works every time I can have my baby sleeping by about six or eight weeks and I'm good with it. No, I do not use any of the, um, you know, cried out methods and all that. Uh, but I have method. I love it. It works. You're not going to convince me to change that. That is not a comparison place for me where I'm like, Oh, I know what somebody else is doing. I wonder if I'm doing this right. But for some reason with some of mine in the middle, although I'd already learned how to feed them and all the things I began, this is a dumb one, but I began to really be consume, perseverate, worry about how I was comparing on the front of feeding my kids, what they were eating. Um, should I make baby food, buy baby food, organic baby food, regular baby food? Um, just strange, honestly, when I look at it now, but at the time it was very important to me. And what in essence had happened is I had layered in there that if I don't do it right, I am setting these children up for maybe unhealthy eating habits, unhealthy body. I don't know. I don't, I don't really know now exactly what I was believing at the time. I just know that it was something that I was measuring myself in and comparing with others. And God began to really ask me some questions here over eating. Um, and so I want to share with you the questions God began to teach me are more important questions than the question, am I doing it right? And instead of saying, and so for me, when I hear in my head, am I doing this right? What is everybody else doing? I wonder what I should be doing. When I hear those questions, they signal for me that I am comparing. I believe God has different questions for us that he wants us to be asking. And these different questions eliminate the concept of measuring up and instead guide us to joining him. You see, we talked about this over and over in this podcast, but you have been given a sacred invitation to walk with children that God has chosen to place in your home because he knows that you surrender to him is the best equation for this child, this child's personality, who he or she is, what they need. It's you, mama. It's you. So what God is saying is surrender to me. That's the invitation because he's already at work. You know, God created that child. He crafted that child. He has a life for that child. He has plans for that child. He is after that child. He will pursue that child longer than you will ever even have a relationship with that child. More than likely. I mean, God will know my children on this earth longer than I will because I will pass away. I should. I mean, in theory, right? So God is the one who is at work. I am invited to join him in his work. 
But what does that look like when I begin to hear, am I doing this right? God's questions instead, I think, look a little different. I think the question or sound a little different. I think the question God wants you and me to ask and to ask of him, not of ourselves, not of what we can find on social media, not of even our friends or anyone else we know raising a child in the same place. He really wants you and me to say, am I doing this wisely? Am I parenting this child with your perspective, God? Am I doing this surrendered to you, God? Have I invited you into this moment and this decision-making and sought your opinion? And before you say to me, well, Bethany, I mean, like, where in the Bible does it talk about feeding your kids and what you should feed your kids? So how do you take that and, and make it? Uh, am I doing it wisely? I will tell you that when I began, and that was the space where God goes, why are you asking those questions? Are you doing it right? And what is everybody else doing? Why, Bethany, don't you ask me and say, God, am I doing this wisely? Am I doing this in a way that is surrendered to you? And even in food choices and How long do you nurse or not nurse? Or how do you get your baby to sleep at night? God is engaged with you. And he will lead you and he will guide you in those questions if you ask him. And then the third question that God began to say, line your life up with these three questions. So the first is, am I doing it wisely? And wisely means, yeah, I'm going to look, I'm going to, I'm going to gain information, not opinions. I'm going to gain information and then I'm going to make the wisest choice based on seeking God first that I can make. And I'm going to do it surrendered, which means I'm going to position myself with God in such a way that says, God, I want to hear from you. I want to know what you have to say on this. I want to lead this child for you. And then the third question that God asked me to begin asking is, am I doing it for his glory? You see, a lot of my motherhood was actually maybe for my glory, if I'm honest enough to admit it. So that I could declare to others, oh, I mean, I'm making... And and this may step on someone's toes, but this truly was a thing. Oh, I'm making my own baby food and I'm it's all organic and I you know do all this stuff and and that is for my glory. There's a part of that that is for me to look good. And instead God go, began to say, Bethany, ask yourself, are you doing it for my glory? Can you be quiet about it? Can you work at what you're called to work at? And when I began to stop the thoughts of, am I doing it right? And instead say, am I doing it wisely? Then it doesn't matter what the rest of the world is doing. 
It doesn't matter what the rest of the world is seeing me do. It simply is I am walking with God in this place. And he is leading me. So I want for us to understand that oftentimes we get really slayed with this one. And we make our identity, our worth, and our value be based on end results, what comes out. And that's the last part of this comparison thing is understand you and I need to understand that God has never told us that our value to him is based on how our kids turn out. He has never set that up anywhere scripturally. In fact, you know, you cannot determine what your child will do ultimately. And yeah, we can when they're little. There's a lot that we can shape and we can demand and we can craft safe settings and safe places so that the result looks good. But if you're a mom of somebody who's growing up, you understand what I'm saying. Because we will wa- there will be seasons and times where we will watch our children make choices we don't want them to make, choose paths we think are not, not great, not wise, maybe, maybe reject the faith, maybe um, choose a different thing, and it will grieve you. And the next thought you will have is, did I do it right? What did I do wrong? And I want you to understand and I want you to find freedom in knowing you are called by God to ask the questions, am I doing it wisely? Am I doing motherhood surrendered? And am I doing motherhood for God's glory? And not ask yourself, am I doing it right Because the question, am I doing it right, demands a result that you cannot control and that you are not accountable for. You see, that child is walking their own journey with God. And they will have their own testimony and God is at work in them and he can see all the way down the road of their lives. And he knows when they will surrender to him. And it may not even be in your lifetime. But when you and I are walking wisely and we're walking surrendered and we're walking for God's glory, we will be consistent. We will be consistent in our prayers for our children. We will be consistent in displaying God's love and God's grace to our children. We will be consistent in um, speaking of Jesus to our children. We will be a light. We will be a source of peace that this world does not offer. And I am utterly convinced that every person I've ever talked to who shares that they follow Jesus, they follow Jesus because they were desperate for a peace they could not find in the world. They were desperate for joy 
that was not offered by the world. They were desperate for hope. You see, those things are found by the man and the woman who walk with him. And so when we parent wisely and we parent surrendered and we parent for God's glory, we will display peace and joy and hope. And we will pray fiercely for our children and trust that God, who is the one who created them and who is truly at work and truly engaged and never gives up and never leaves and never, and he is after our kids with a holy desire for them to know him, will do and work and move in our kids' lives. So when our kids are young, oftentimes we want to control it all. And a lot of times I'm guilty of wanting to control it all because I wanted to compare well. I wanted to do it right. And when God began to invite me to say, instead, Bethany, will you choose to do it wisely? That means that he's really in control. And I'm seeking him and trusting him for the results. Next week, we're going to talk with my friend Rachel and listen to, she has so much wisdom so much wisdom and so I hope that you will come and hear her thoughts about this concept of comparison and also what she has learned and where we can find true rest as we parent so I until next week please know you can find the template if you want to get the template in order to lock down these two scriptures in your mind It is a free download. You can find it in the show notes. You can grab it there. I hope you will subscribe um, to this podcast. And I would love it if you would put um, some reviews in it. It helps the podcast be found by other mamas. And um, other than that, I am praying for y'all. I love it when you reach out to me and you let me know your thoughts. So I would love to hear your thoughts. And please know that I'm walking these same roads. Comparison is a big one, and it's hard some days. But God is faithful, and He loves you completely. And remember, God, in His grace, freely makes you right in His sight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me, and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.